Good to see you guys this morning. Good to worship God with you guys. Amen. Going to be continuing the, uh, the Above All series in Colossians. And uh, we jumped a little bit out of order last week with Easter, uh, just, just because, you know, we wanted to talk about Jesus and the cross on Easter. So we felt like, okay, we can go a little bit, a little bit out of order here. Uh, but we're going to be picking, picking things back up uh, in Colossians. This is page 984, if you have one of these black Bibles. Colossians chapter 2, and uh, we'll be in verses 11, 11 through 13. I'll give you a second to turn there. I'm going to be talking about baptism today, and, uh, and I can't really think of a better way to uh, follow up Easter than with talking about baptism because baptism has everything to do with uh, Jesus, with his death and burial and resurrection. And so that makes baptism very significant, very important for us. It's not, I don't want us to think when, we, when we're thinking about baptism, I don't want you to think of just, oh, it's just some church tradition or it's just some ritual that we do. Uh, we're, not, we're not talking about a tradition or, or a ritual. We're talking about Jesus Christ and the work that he's done. Uh, so I don't want us to have small thoughts about baptism this morning. I want us to, to realize that this is a bigger and a deeper thing uh, than it looks like just on the surface. Uh, so Colossians 1, excuse me, Colossians 2, uh, verses 11 through 13, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And then it it goes on to what we talked about last week, being forgiven from the expectations that were hanging over us, being forgiven uh, from, from not meeting up our, with our own expectations. Uh, and baptism, it's, it's kind of cool. I'm excited to talk about it. This is one of the things that, uh, as a preacher, when you're daydreaming about you know, the impactful sermons you're going to preach, baptism usually is not at the top of the list, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's probably not my top five. It's not, it's not something that you just dream up when you're making the sermon calendar, but actually one of the benefits of uh, what we're doing, preaching through the book of Colossians, is you hit some of these topics that you wouldn't normally uh, just come up with when you're, when you're dreaming up sermons. So uh, this, is, this is a good thing, and that's one of the reasons why we do preach through books of the Bible, as well as do kind of topic-based sermon series. We like to mix it up. So uh, today may be an introduction to baptism for some of you. For others, it may be review. It may be equipping you to help you explain baptism to a family member or a relative or a neighbor down the road. Uh, because let's, let's be honest, without any explanation, baptism baptism's kind of weird, right? I mean, you put someone in a big tank of water, you dunk them underwater... There's, there's a crowd, there's clapping. Like, that's, that's a little strange, okay? I haven't seen anyone else that does, does anything like that. Uh, we, there was this one guy who came to Jubilee one time, and he uh, 
we had the baptism tank out. It was a baptism Sunday, and he saw that. And uh, he looked at his friend, and he said, man, this is a pretty cool place. You guys have a hot tub. And his, it took his friend a second. He was like, hot tub, what? He, and the guy was like, yeah, and with, you know, with the sound system, with this video screen, like, we could throw a cool party here. And so uh, we're, we get all kinds of people, and, uh, and we love it. And that's what Jubilee is all about, taking people who are far away, making them a part of the family, like, like Patty was sharing. It's, it's a family that God has. So we, we, love, we love all kinds of people, from people who have been growing up in the church tradition to people who, you know, think our baptism is a, is a hot tub. It's great. Uh, so, so baptism, what is baptism? Aside from just the strictly, you know what I said, taking someone, dunking them underwater, bringing them back up. Well, in Colossians, uh, through the verses we just read, we're in one of the sections uh, that I like to call kind of the in him section. Uh, Paul's talking about uh, all, what it means that we're in Jesus, that we're a part of Jesus and what he's doing. Uh, so the whole section is about who we are in Jesus. And so baptism, uh, like all these other things that Paul's talking about, signifies that we are in Jesus. And baptism doesn't really make any sense apart from Jesus and what Jesus has done. And so just kind of to recap last week, we talked about Jesus, what he did for us. He was he was God, but he was born as a human baby, just like us. He had poopy diapers, just like we did. He needed food and water, just like we did. He went, he went through puberty, just like we did. He found it difficult to pay the bills, just like we did. He was like us in every single way, except that he did not sin. He was, he was perfect in his heart. He was, he was unlike us in that way. But that made him the perfect person, the one who qualified, who met God's expectations to pay for the, the price for us. And so he, he willingly went to the cross. He took the punishment that we deserved. Uh, he was buried on the third day. He rose to new life. And uh, for those of us who trust in Jesus, our sin, all the things that we feel guilty about, all the things that we're ashamed about, that we don't want anyone else to know about us, God says, I forgive those things because Jesus paid for all those things. And so, so though we will all physically die one day, uh, we are, our hearts are being raised to life when we put our hope in Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus. And physically, we too, we too will rise to life one day uh, and spend eternity with Jesus. So baptism is something that, uh, that Jesus gave us both as a gift uh, and as a command. And it, it's like a dramatization of our union with Christ. Uh, so when we baptize someone, we're, what baptism is saying is, hey, Jesus died for this person. Jesus was buried for this person. Jesus rose to life for this person. And the life that Jesus has is now theirs. Just like Jesus came out of the grave, you're coming out of the water and you have new life in Jesus. The inheritance that Jesus has, the things that he earned are now for you. The relationship, this family relationship, we can call God Father. We have that. That's what baptism signifies. So baptism, like communion, it's, uh, it's what's called a sacrament. So it's something that, that displays a particular part of the gospel. So we have, uh, on Sundays, we have preaching, and preaching tells about the gospel. I'll be up here speaking. Hey, 
Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants to rescue you. Brian, when we hear from him on video, preaching the gospel. But baptism, baptism doesn't just tell the gospel. It displays the gospel. It shows the gospel in a way that that words can't. It's, It's a beautiful thing. Baptism is an outward expression of something that happens inward. It's an outward expression of, of faith in someone's heart. So it's, it's an outward example of an inward reality that, that by faith we share in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. That our, old life, when we, that our old life is dead. That when Jesus saved us, we say, look, my old life, Jesus put that to death and he's given me a brand new life. And Paul uses the analogy of uh, circumcision in the verses that we just read to explain what Christ has done. That we've been circumcised, not, not like a medical circumcision by hands, but putting off the body of flesh, putting off the old life, and, uh, and putting on the old. So when a person gets baptized, they're saying, yes, I believe that that has happened to me. My old life is dead. It's buried. I used to live for sin, but Jesus did something in my heart. Now I want to live for Jesus. Now I want to follow him. It's, it's an internal thing. It's very deep. Um, there, was a, there was a businessman who used to come to Jubilee Church a number of years ago, and he had he just kind of showed up, and God started doing some stuff in his heart. God really actually met him powerfully uh, at his home, and he he didn't have a lot of history with the church, and he was kind of freaked out. He'd never met God before like this, and so he didn't he didn't quite know what was going on. And so he was he was talking to his friend. His friend was trying to ask him questions, trying to encourage him and help. And he, his friend asked, you know, hey, can you just like try to sum up what's going on in your heart in in a sentence? Can you do that? And this this businessman said, you know, I feel like my unbelieving self died. And now I just want to believe. Like that's what, that's what baptism signifies. That's what Jesus does in our heart. He takes our unbelieving self and puts it to death uh, and, and raises us to new life. So when, when something dies, what do, you, what do you do? You bury it. You have a funeral. That's, baptism is like a funeral. It's a dramatization that your old life is dead. It's done with. You're burying that old life. And when you, when you come out of the water, because, because we do actually, we lift people out of the water. We don't leave them in the water. That would, be, that would be a crime, not a sacrament. If we, you know, some people you kind of like, make you stay down there good and long. I'm just teasing. We don't do that. Um, we bring them out of the water, uh, dramatizing that their old life is dead that they're now raised to new life with Jesus. So, so baptism isn't just some, some weird tradition that we've done because all Christians do it. It has real deep significance. Uh, and it's, it's probably the first and the best demonstration that, hey, now you were on, you know, I used to be on Team Seth. I was just living for myself. Now, after I've been baptized, now I'm on Team Jesus. This demonstrates that I'm on Team Jesus. And uh, there are kind of two analogies or two uh, pictures that have really helped me in, in thinking about baptism. Uh, the first is uh, wearing army gear. So I could, I could go out to the local, you know, army reserve shop. I could buy a bunch of camo. I could even, you know, go to the firing range and buy some guns and strap them on and deck myself out and, you know, look, look real legit. But that, that wouldn't make me a part of the army, would it? It would just... 
you know, make me maybe a little strange if I started walking around town in full camo with ammunition and weapons on me. Maybe probably a little scary. I might get arrested. I don't know. But uh, enlisting is what makes you part of the army, right? You have to you have to go enlist. You have to register yourself, and then you get the gear. Then you get the camo. You get the weapons. You get the tools that you need to be in the army to serve our country and to protect. But just putting on the uniform doesn't make you a part of the army. It's more than that. But it is, it is a symbol of, of something bigger that's happening. So another, another example would be uh, my wedding ring. So this is, this is a symbol that I'm, that I'm married to Shannon. But, I mean, if, you know, one of you single people ran up here and grabbed my ring and put it on, that, that wouldn't make you married to Shannon. Um, I'm still married to Shannon. <laughs> the ring, the ring doesn't make you married, but it's, but it's an important symbol. You know, it, it points to a relationship. It points to the commitment that I have to Shannon. And, and that's what, that's how faith and baptism kind of relate. Faith is the work that God does in our hearts. Baptism is this external sign that points to the work that's already been done in our hearts. So, so why? Why should we get baptized? Well, there's, there's a couple reasons, I think. Uh, for one, just the joy and peace of knowing that you're obeying Jesus. It's something that uh, Jesus commands. Uh, so just, just like any act of obedience, there's a blessing that tags along with that. If you've ever read through uh, the book of Deuteronomy, there's all these kind of uh, rules and regulations. And after, after a lot of them, God says, he'll say, hey, I want, you, I want you to do this. I want you to live this way. And afterwards, he says, hey, if you do this, it will go well with you. You'll be blessed. Something, it's going to be good. And so, so obedience isn't this bad word of like, oh, we just have to keep God happy because he's this grouchy old man. But God, God's looking to bless us. He wants, he wants things to go well for us. So if we obey God in this way, if we're baptized, uh, God's going to bless us. It's going to go well. Matthew 28, Jesus commands, uh, in our going, make disciples. He commanded his disciples. He said, hey, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. So in our, in our going, in our schoolwork, in our work, in the community, in our hanging out with other, other people, in our taking our kids to school, make disciples. Tell people about Jesus. And, and as they become disciples, baptize them and then, and then mature them. Invite them to a community group. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to read their Bible, how to listen for God's voice. This is, this is something that Jesus commanded. And it's something that the disciples continue to practice. And in Acts, uh, after Jesus rose, in Acts 2.38, says that um, we are to repent and to be baptized. So there's, there's a scriptural evidence here for being baptized. This is an important thing. Uh, and some, some of us, many, many people that come to church actually would, would, can, would call themselves Christians, but they've never been baptized. And, and maybe it's because Maybe it's because that person's shy. Maybe it's because you just want to keep your, your family happy. Um, and, and you know there's nothing wrong with being shy and there's nothing wrong with wanting to keep your family happy unless it keeps you from obeying Jesus. That's, that's number one. We want, to, we want to obey and follow Jesus. 
And uh, another reason why baptizing, uh, being baptized is important is it'll, it's going to strengthen your uh, relationship. It's going to strengthen your faith with Jesus. I know many people who have, uh, who have testified after being baptized that uh, they experience new boldness, new excitement and freshness in their walk with God. And, and to be honest, it's encouraging for those of us uh, witnessing a baptism to see what God's doing in other people. I mean, for, for 2,000 years, Christians, I mean, okay, let's, let's be honest. Christians were not like always the most agreeable bunch. I mean, that's why there's all these different denominations. And sometimes you think, man, why we fight a lot. We're supposed to be God's people. What's going on? But one thing that Christians have agreed on for all, you know, all the way back to Jesus is that you should be baptized if you follow Jesus. We, we all agree on that. So this is, this is, this is pretty serious when us, us bunch of people that don't agree on stuff, we all agree. Uh, now, there is, there is some disagreement on like how baptism should be done and when it should be done, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but there's no disagreement on that it, that it should be done. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be baptized. So now, a little bit of the details. How? How should it be done? Well, I think it should be done with lots of water and, and lots of people. And uh, I'm going to kind of explain what I mean by that. Lots of water and lots of people. Uh, we believe that the biblical pattern for baptism is by immersion. So by dunking people all the way under, not, not just sprinkling or pouring a little bit of water on their head. And there are a few reasons for this. First, uh, the, the word that, uh, like in your Bible, the word baptism, the word that that's translated from in the Greek, uh, baptizo, that word actually literally means to dip or to uh, immerse. So in that time period, that same word, if a, if a ship sank, they would say, oh, that ship was baptized. It was, it was immersed. It went completely under the water. So in giving, in using the word baptism, the writers of the New Testament would have had this thought in mind, going, going completely under, going under the water. Uh, second, another reason for this, none of the instances of baptism in the New Testament that we see, the stories about baptism describe anything other than immersion. Not one. They all, they all seem to point to immersion. So Acts 8.38, I'm just going to fly through a couple of these. Philip uh, in the Ethiopian eunuch, it says the words, they went down into the water. So if you're, you know, you don't need to go down into the water if you're just going to sprinkle or pour a little water on. No, they got, they got down, they got wet. They got down into the water. Jesus, when he was baptized in Mark 1, it says he came up out of the water. Uh, so to come up out of the water, you logically have to go down into the water to come up. And, uh, and generally, our motto is, hey, if something's confusing, we're just going to go with Jesus. When in doubt, go with what Jesus did. So Jesus was baptized. He was submerged. We feel like that is uh, a pretty good reason. And third, and actually maybe even the best reason, is that because, because of what baptism signifies, because of what I was talking about at the beginning, that this is baptism is a symbol of our old life dying and being buried and being raised to new life, uh, you, you just don't get that 
kind of symbol with sprinkling or with or with pouring water. We we weren't need, we weren't in need of a face wash. We weren't just kind of dirty and we needed to clean ourselves up. We need our hearts needed to die and be resurrected by Jesus. Not not just kind of a little scrub. We needed to be buried and brought to new life. And uh, and I think immersion, baptism by immersion signifies that. I think if if you're going to make a I mean if you're going to make a sign, make it Make it a good sign, you know. Make it the best, biggest, clearest sign you can make. Now, I mean, you may be thinking, okay, is is sprinkling wrong? Maybe, maybe you were sprinkled. I'd, no, I don't think I don't think you can argue biblically that there's anything, you know, particularly. There's nothing sinful about it. It's if it's done out of obedience to God. There's nothing wrong about it. Um, and you know, maybe even in, in extreme cases, like if you're from you know, a desert or you live where water is not readily available, hey, be sprinkled, obey Jesus. But I think assuming that that there is a choice, if you have a choice, uh, I think baptism uh, by immersion uh, just displays the picture well of what we're going for, displays properly what what Jesus has done in our hearts. And, And there's more evidence biblically for that. So we baptize with lots of water. And, uh, and with lots of people watching. So most of, the, most of the biblical accounts on baptism, there were lots of people around. John the Baptist, uh, when he was baptizing, it says that there were, there were masses of people. There were thousands of people that were coming out to him. Uh, believers receiving baptism. Uh, there, were, there were thousands of people that received baptism in Acts. Uh, when the word of God was going out in power. Uh, and furthermore, because baptism is... It's, a declaration of what God's done in your heart. I think it's, it's meant to be public. And it has, it has the biggest impact when it's in front of both believers and non-believers. I mean, we've, we've actually had it, Jubilee. We've had people come to Jesus because of seeing a baptism. They, they catch this glimpse of, oh man, God, God raises people to new life, just like that person was raised out of the water. God does something in their hearts. He's, God saved people on baptism Sundays. So it's, it's a beautiful picture of, uh, of what God has done. So lots of water, lots of people. That's, that's how we like to do it at Jubilee. Uh, who should get baptized? This is, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out a couple big words here, but um, don't fall asleep on me. I'll try to, try to go with this quick. Uh, there's two words that kind of the uh, theologians use when describing the different views on when someone should be baptized. So there's paedo-baptism and credo-baptism. Paedo in Latin means child or infant, so that would be uh, paedo-baptism would be baptizing infants, baptizing babies. Uh, This is the view that's held by many Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, Anglicans, uh, Lutherans. And credo-baptism, credo, the word in Latin means I believe. So credo-baptism would be called believer's baptism. It's uh, the practice of baptizing someone who professes faith in Jesus, uh, who's at some level able to express, yeah, I'm following Jesus. God's done something in my heart. Um, And so paedo-baptism is administered independent of of faith. Credo-baptism is after there's faith. So at Jubilee, we're credo-baptists. And this, at times, to be honest, has been, uh, has been difficult 
There's been some tough conversations with people. And, and to be honest, there's a lot of people that I, I really love and respect as Christians, guys that I look up to, who are, who are sitting on the other side of the fence as us on this. Guys who I, I fully expect I'm going to see in heaven, see in all of eternity to have fellowship with. Guys that I'd, I'd learn from in lots of ways. But they, they uh, baptize infants. So... Let me, let me explain a little bit of why we, why we don't baptize infants. Well, when you look at the Bible, it seems to be that the clear pattern is, uh, in, as someone comes to Jesus, that they first become a Christian, uh, then they're baptized. That seems to be the order. So, Acts chapter 27, <clears throat> excuse me, in Acts, 27 times baptism is referred to. There are 27 times where people are baptized in Acts. And uh, in all of those times, it'll say something like, uh, and they believed, or and they heard the word of God and believed, and then they were baptized. Each of those times, there's this statement of that hearing the word, of believing in Jesus, and then being baptized. Jesus says in Matthew 28 that we mentioned Earlier, he says, hey, make disciples first, then baptize them, then three, teach them. So we, so we make them, we mark them, and we mature them. The order is really important. You don't, you don't mark a disciple before you've made them, and you don't need to mature someone before you've marked them. So when someone becomes a Christian, uh, we should baptize them as soon as possible. I, I used to help kind of facilitate baptisms in the Jubilee City location. And there were tons of people I talked to uh, who were kind of interested in baptism, but I'd always hear, oh, I'm, you know, I just need to clean my life up a little bit more before I get baptized. I need to work some things out. I need to get some things straight. That's, there, that doesn't have anything to do with baptism. I mean, the, the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Are you, are you following him? Yes? All right, then let's be baptized. You don't have to be mature. You don't have to have your life cleaned up to be baptized. You just have to say, I'm with Jesus. That's it. It's a public declaration of being with Jesus. You don't need a class. You don't need to understand big words like pedo-baptism or credo-baptism. You just need to be with Jesus. I mean, the the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, uh, the story with Philip, where Philip's uh, opening and explaining scriptures, he asked Philip, hey, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, well, nothing, because you believe. They stopped the carriage, they found some water, they dunked the guy right there. If, if you have believed, there's, there's nothing that prevents you from being baptized. You should be baptized if you believe in Jesus. Now, if you haven't believed, you should not be baptized. You should, you should wait until you believe. We, we don't baptize babies because we don't know if there's faith yet. Now, now, someone might ask, well, how do you know that, that that baby doesn't have faith, that that baby won't grow into faith? Well, we don't. Only God knows that. You know, the baby could have faith. The baby could grow into faith in Jesus, but we don't know that. So, so we wait to baptize. I mean, think, think about the purpose of baptism. It's a sign. It points to something. It points to a deeper reality. So, imagine if we put up a sign out front that says, you know, McDonald's, two miles that way. Now, 
Maybe there's a McDonald's two miles that way. I guess it depends which way you turn. Uh, but, but maybe not. Maybe there will be a McDonald's that way. Maybe they're going to build a new one down the road. But that, that sign's not going to be helpful. You don't put up signs based on uh, assumptions or, or hopes for future things. You put up signs uh, to demonstrate what is, to say what is. And so, so that's, why, that's why we baptize adults who profess their faith in Jesus. Excuse me, not necessarily adults. We baptize people who profess their faith in Jesus. That's why we don't baptize infants. And, uh, and this actually, I feel like, is one of the casualties of infant baptism. There, there are tons of people, hundreds, maybe thousands of people, that if you ask them if they're a Christian, they're not going to tell you about their relationship with Jesus. They're not going to tell you about what God's done in their life. They'll say, oh, yeah, I was baptized. That's what it is. for Christianity for them is just tradition. It's, oh, yeah, I, just, I did this, I was baptized, and now I'm good, Right? That's what being a Christian is all about. It's just doing this stuff. No, it's about this deeper reality. It's about this relationship with Jesus. And, and we don't want to give people false assurance. about. And we don't want to just perpetuate this idea that Christianity is just about doing stuff. It's about the heart. It's about God transforming our hearts. That's what we want to demonstrate. That's what we want to publicly display. Um. Secondly, the a second reason why we don't baptize infants, there aren't any, uh, any specific uh, instances of infants being baptized in scriptures. So there, there actually are two places in Acts that mention whole households being baptized. Um, but you kind of you have to assume, like maybe there were no babies. Maybe all the kids were grown up. We, we don't know for sure that there were infants in those houses. And one of the times... Uh, specifically says that the entire household served the Lord. So if the whole household was serving God, uh, it would seem logical that the household was old en- that all the people in the household were old enough to serve God. And so it, so it just doesn't seem very logical that there were infants there. Uh, so, so why do then some people baptize infants? Uh, well, there's the argument is kind of it's based around logic of what's called Old Testament and New T- Testament continuity. Uh, stick with me here. Uh, I realize this is kind of like headache stuff. This is what the guys who write the big books argue about all day, but I'm just going to explain as briefly as I can. So in our passage in Colossians, like I mentioned, uh, Paul connects circumcision with baptism. Uh, circumcision was the sign in the Old Testament that you were a part of God's people. So on the eighth day, if you were a male, you got circumcised. Uh, therefore, if that was the sign in the Old Testament that you were a part of God's people, and baptism is the sign in the New Testament that you're a part of God's people, well, in the Old Testament, babies were circumcised. So in the New Testament, let's baptize babies. That's kind of the argument. Uh, but I think there are actually some pretty big differences between circumcision and baptism. First of all, uh, I took a straw poll and all the guys that I asked, we voted that we much prefer baptism uh, over circumcision. So uh, I think there's a pretty big difference. Uh, second, in the, in the Old Testament, uh, the sign of circumcision was given to, to males, not females. In the New Testament, it's for, it's for men and women. It's for guys and girls. 
But, but there's something even bigger than that going on here. Uh, to be a part of God's people in the Old Testament, you had to be born into the right group. You had, you had to be born a Jew. You had to be Jewish. You had to have Jewish parents. And that was how you got in. But to be a member of Jesus' family in the New Testament, it's not because you're somehow born into the right family. It's, it's because you've been spiritually reborn. Because God's, God's given you a new heart. You've been born again. It's where, where that language comes from. Uh, so, so in the Old Testament, you had to be Jewish. You had to be born to the right parents. And the shift in redemptive history in the New Testament has gone from physical to spiritual. So the sign of membership happens when you're a spiritual infant, not a physical infant. So actually, you could argue we, we do baptize infants, just spiritual infants. We baptize baby believers. Now, they may actually just happen to be 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years old physically, but they're, but they're spiritual infants. They're new to God's family. So, so what age should you be baptized? I mean, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to have to think that way with our kids. Adara's four and, and starting to talk about God's starting to learn about the realities of God. So that's something we're going to have to kind of evaluate. Okay, is God, is God making her heart new? Does she have faith in Jesus or is she just kind of going along with it? You know, we'll, we'll see as she grows older. We'll be praying about that and thinking about that. Now, may, I mean, maybe some of you were, were pressured by your parents to get baptized. Maybe your parents told you, hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't get baptized, but uh, you'll get ice cream if you do get baptized. And so you thought... You know, I like ice cream more than hell, so baptism seems like a good option. So maybe, maybe it wasn't that you loved Jesus so much. Maybe it was just you loved ice cream. And, uh, and I, I understand why people would want to baptize their kids. I mean, I, I want so badly. I look at my kids. I want them so badly to follow Jesus, to, to turn and have faith in him. But... I also understand that that's something I can't make happen. Only, only God can do that in my kids' hearts. I can't do that. Only, only Jesus saves. It's not me. It's not a denomination. It's not baptism. It's not coming to church. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And, and a lot of times we want, we want assurance outside of Jesus. We want to make things happen ourselves. But, but friends, there is, there is no more safe place. There's no more assured place than being with Jesus. So trust Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith for your children in Jesus. And, and then guess what we'll do? We'll, we'll baptize you. When Jesus transforms your hearts, we'll baptize your children to testify that, hey, Jesus has done a, a new work. We're saved by grace. That's it. Baptism won't save you. Serving in the church won't save you. Giving money in the offering plate won't save you. Communion won't save you. Only grace. It's only the grace of Jesus. If, if Jesus saves you, we want to baptize you. And we want you to take communion. We want you to participate in his church. We want you to serve and imitate 
Jesus. All these things are about displaying Jesus, about pointing to Jesus and connecting with Jesus. But those things don't save you. Only, only Jesus saves. Now, the idea of, of putting your kids into God's hands, of planting the seed very early on, of dedicating your children to God, that's, that's a very biblical thing. We do child dedications from time to time. Uh, Jesus himself was dedicated by his parents. And so, so that's something we're, we're all about, dedicating things to God, putting our trust in God. Uh, but baptism is for those who put their faith in Jesus first. So if, you, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, you should do that. You could do that today. And then as a sign, we'll baptize you next week. Bada bing. What a, now, now what should you do? I mean, maybe this will bring up questions maybe for you or for friends if you're talking to a friend about baptism. What should you do if you were baptized as an infant? Or if you were, you know, pressured into it as a small child? Um, you know, maybe it wasn't even your decision. Maybe it was just something you had to go along with. Well, there's a, there's a helpful story in Acts 19. Paul, he meets this small group uh, from the town of Ephesus. Uh, and they called themselves disciples, and they had been baptized before. And so Paul comes, and he asks, he says, Hey, have you guys received the Spirit? And they said, uh, Spirit? What? We didn't even know there was a Spirit. What are you talking about? Uh, and, and you know, lots of, lots of times, people, we look for all kinds of reasons as to whether or not we're a Christian. We want, we want assurance. And so people say, well, were you baptized? Oh, then, then you're a Christian. Did you take communion? Well, then you're a Christian. Did you raise your hand when the pastor made the big altar call at the Billy Graham crusade? Then you're, then you're a Christian. Well, Paul, Paul from this story is saying, hey, the, the only true evidence of being a Christian is having God's Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8 that whoever does not have the Spirit does not belong to Jesus. So Jesus, the ones that belong to Him, He gives the Spirit graciously, generously. And so Paul's asking them, hey, do you have the Spirit? They say, no, we've never heard about the Spirit. And, and then Paul goes on to ask, well, what, why were you baptized? Into whom were you baptized? And they reply, we were baptized into John's baptism. So John the Baptist. And uh, Paul says, oh, okay, so you were baptized you were repenting from your sin, but you didn't, you didn't put your faith in Jesus. You didn't know Jesus. You didn't trust in him. And so Paul begins to explain, hey, Jesus was the son of God. He came down. He died for your sins. He can make your life brand new. And as Paul's talking, he can see the lights are going on with these people. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we're, we're with him. We're trusting in him. They see that John the Baptist was the forerunner coming before Jesus. And so as Paul's teaching them about Jesus, they believe, they have faith, and then Paul baptizes them. So you look at that and you think, okay, were they baptized twice? Well, maybe. I mean, I guess technically they were in the water twice. You could say that, but you could also say that they were actually never really baptized into Jesus. They were, they were baptized into John. It was a different baptism. It displayed something differently than the baptism of Jesus. So maybe, maybe you, maybe a friend that you know was baptized in a church, but never baptized into Jesus. Maybe they did it for other reasons. Maybe they were baptized as an infant. 
I'd, I'd say if that person were asking, I'd say, hey, be, be baptized into Jesus as a believer. Now, it's not, infant baptism is not something that I'm going to break fellowship with, with someone over. So if someone comes to Jubilee and they say, look, I've, I've read the scriptures, I've thought this through, I have a good conscience, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm good with being baptized as an infant. I'm not going to kick anybody out over that. We're not going to break fellowship. But, uh, but I would encourage people, because of all the reasons I've explained, because of what it displays, hey, be, be baptized as a believer. Make that public display that you're on Team Jesus. And, and on, the, on the flip side, I've met and I've talked with people who feel like they need to be re-baptized lots of times. They feel like oh, maybe they took a detour. They were following God and things started going not so well, and then they, they come back again. They're like, oh, I want to get baptized again. Well, I don't think, I mean, with, with my wife and I, we don't, we don't go out and buy each other new rings every week. You know, we've got, we've got a ring. We, this ring's good. I mean, maybe my wife would want, you know, who knows. But we've, I've got one ring here. This is the ring that I had when we got married. This is the ring I'm going to keep unless, you know, I lose it or do something crazy, but it's, this is it. I'm not just going to go replacing it, doing it again. Similarly, baptism. If you've been baptized, that's good. You don't, you don't need to get re-baptized. You don't need to, you know, oh, I feel like I just need to do something to, no. When you've made that public declaration, it's been made. That's good.